Hey, this is Eugene Rapkin, and you're listening to the Style Zeitgeist Podcast. Hi, everyone. I am here with the journalist, writer, Amy O'Dell. Um, and we and Amy has a great Substack, which you guys should all check out. Um, and Amy is uh, one of the more, most interesting voices in fashion. She's been doing this for a long time, writing for The Cut and Business of Fashion, and I'm sure many other things that I forget. So, and we're here to discuss uh, Demna's interview in Vogue uh, that was released yesterday. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. I am so excited to talk about this with you. And I have to say, when I saw that this article came out, the first thought that I had was that I had to text you <laughs> and see what you thought of it. And lo <laughs> and behold. I, yeah, I didn't want to get into it until I could like really read it, but... Uh, uh, there's so much to discuss, but oh my God, what a long, it's a very long article and it made is. it the length, honestly, and I'm here for reading, you know, but the length made it hard to read. Do you know how many words it is? Did you do the word count? No, did you? Yeah, it's more than just a little more than 4,000 words. Wow. See, this is what makes you Amy O'Dell. You go and do the homework. <laughs> uh, I was like, uh, this is just long. And at first pass, I got through three quarters of it. And then I thought I'm just exhausted. And yeah, today, same. It, it was, it, yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah. Today I said, okay, I'm going to read it again because we're doing this podcast. So I have to be diligent. And I got through it. And I have to say, I'm glad I did because what he's saying in the end also matters. But first, I wanted to get your gauge um, on the campaigns themselves. Like, what was your reaction? So I'm sure people listening to this have a understanding of the situation, which was painstakingly explained in this Vogue story. But there were two campaigns, one featuring children and um, gift, Balenciaga gift items, including like a, a wine goblet and um, what had been called on the internet BDSM bags, like beat up teddy bear purses uh, that Demna says were punk inspired. Um you know, my reaction, uh, oh, and excuse me, and then the second campaign was with like Nicole Kidman in an office building off the brand's Wall Street show. Uh, she's supposed to look like a CEO wearing Balenciaga and there's a handbag. And then there were um, some uh, items in the shot that offended people, including documents from a court case that had to do with child pornography. Um, so my reaction to the, the scandal that broke first was the one with the, the quote unquote BDSM bear bags, you know, like my reaction to that is like, if you are going to put children in an advertisement for a major fashion brand for adult products, you should be extremely thoughtful and careful. And I think that was an oversight. Why are you bringing children in? to sell your, you know, Christmas knickknacks. Um, <laughs> and that to me stood out because look, I live actually uh, in a suburb outside of New York City. I see women here wearing Balenciaga. 
uh, who are mothers, they're moms, they have young kids, they wear the sock booties. Um, mm. I think like a day or two after the scandal broke, I happened to be at the New York Botanical Garden train show with my children who are little, two and four. And there was another mom there with young kids and she was wearing a Balenciaga beanie, like with the Balenciaga logo all over it. And I was like, oh my God, she must have read the story because I don't know if she would be coming out today, like, you know, wearing this beanie when the discourse on the internet is that Balenciaga supports child pornography. I do not believe that people at Balenciaga want to promote child pornography. I don't. Um, A lot of people do though. And uh, that to me was a discon- was the disconnect and the problem with the campaign. Why are you using children to promote adult products? Um, you know, and knowing I, they should have known that their customer was like this woman that I saw at the train show. Like they should know that their customer has little kids and right. be thoughtful. That so that was my reaction. And then the second one seemed like an unfortunate coincidence. I believe Demna on that with the mm-hmm. um, the Supreme Court papers. I was, you know, really surprised that like a lawyer didn't look over the pictures and catch that. Like nobody caught that. That to me was crazy. Right. Right. But what did you think? Uh, My initial reaction was that like the, I also obviously did not catch the documents uh, in a campaign with Nicole Kidman and the bags. I only looked at it later. So I had no reaction except this is just another celebrity campaign. And with the kids, I just thought, well, this is rather tasteless, but whatever. Um, And when the whole (laughs) scandal broke out, uh, I thought, well, okay, I kind of see that. Uh, Perhaps it's maybe an overreaction on the part of the public because the public loves dragging you know, famous people when they screw up. Um, yeah. At the same time, looking back at it, I also feel like, how did this pass? Uh, yeah, all the layers of Balenciaga infrastructure that it had to pass, and especially like a lawyer. I can totally see how it passed the creative team. And them that gives the game away. It's like, oh, you know, like I like being pr- provocative just because I thought it was fun. He says that in the interview. And that's exactly what they're thinking. Like these people have no idea of the social potential social impact. And that's exactly like, you know, let's face it, like the, like the creative teams, this is exactly what they're thinking. They're not thinking like, oh, this, they're rather apolitical. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So for them, it could mm-hmm. be like fun and subversive and not realizing what it is that they're actually doing. So I do think it's more negligence right. than anything, but on, I am more actually offended by the shots with the bag with the court documents mm-hmm. because and you know probably jumping the gun but in the interview Demna tries to say that this is a it was a coincidence <laughs> in what universe uh, and to Vogue's credit you know they pushed him on it 
so it wasn't like yeah. all soft. They did not push nearly enough. But I, I fully agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I so uh, there's a number of things that are very strange about this article and that reinforce, I think, Vogue's position as. I guess the mouthpiece of the fashion industry, like the corporate friendly, you know, mouthpiece, like Vogue exists, let's be clear, to promote the fashion industry. It's not there to really criticize it. As anyone who I think has read a Vogue.com, you know, quote unquote review knows. Um, So uh, a few things about this story. One, it has no byline. The byline is... The byline is Vogue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's let's dwell on this. Um, let's dwell on this because it may not be clear for the general audience how important it is to have a byline, and this is really out of character. And I'm just gonna say it. I think it was simply cowardice on the part of Vogue to not put a byline. Yeah, I think the story was for the most part so measured and careful that and and seemingly like very well fact checked like i think that the editors really went over this story word for word a number of times yeah. which is why it got so long i think they were afraid to cut down what he said exactly and be accused of like you know losing the context i understand that in the internet age we have to be careful and they were careful so i give them credit for that because we've seen Vogue be not careful <laughs> many yes. times in the past, i.e. Carly Kloss dressing as a geisha in, I think it was 2016, for an editorial that was published and, um, I think, rightly criticized. Uh, but I think that this article could have been bylined. I think savvy readers know there's only a few people who would have really even done the interview. Yeah. Um, you want to play and, a guessing game? <laughs> I mean, it was probably like... I don't know. Do we like their, let's just say their top yeah. fashion writers are like Nicole Phelps. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that was Luke my Leach, guess. You know, but yeah, I either. Yeah. Maybe it was Luke. Now that you're saying that makes, that makes more sense. Uh, I mean, and I, I think they're, you know, they're really good. Like yeah. th- these are good seasoned uh, fashion journalists. Um, and I think also the fact that the writer felt the need to not have their name on this story just points to how broken discourse is, which is what enabled the campaign to spiral out of control to begin with, that um, the internet is just driven by these backlash cycles. Right. And the writer doesn't want to get caught up in that. I get that. I completely understand that. They don't want to have their week ruined (laughs) by, (laughs) you know, people on Twitter dragging them for some perceived misstep with this article. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. It makes sense on the part of the writer to say, you know what, um, I don't want my name on it. Or even Vogue saying, you know, we prefer to protect you uh, because yeah. there's always like with with entities like that, there's always like a lawsuit on the horizon, right? So I can right. see how they were being super careful, and you. Correct to point out that the length of it is the result of them transcribing word for word. Uh, yeah. Because God forbid they have to produce a recording. I'm sure like they have protected themselves. Not that anyone seems to it care. It also made me. <laughs> yeah. It also made me wonder though, Eugene, 
if like what the agreement was with Balenciaga, Mm -hmm. you know, because going into an interview like this, like there's just often parameters yeah, and Vogue is a publication that, you know, like they write puff pieces. Every cover story is a puff piece. Like they're, um, you know, they're in, they're part of, you know, the power class that journalists are supposed to critique and take to task. They're part of it. So they can't, they can't and don't critique it. Um, And if they get, this is why they get the access because they don't, they don't critique. They're not negative towards, you know, quote unquote negative (laughs) uh, towards the subjects that they cover. And I just wondered if going into the interview, there was a conversation. I mean, if I were Balenciaga, if I were their comms person, I would want to make sure that like every word was included, that the context was there. However, I think the length of the piece is ultimately to its detriment because people aren't going to read this. Like you and I read it. I don't, but I don't think, I think most people are just going to like go on Twitter and type in Demna and see what people are saying about it. Like people don't want to sit there and read this. It was dry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I'm sure there were like Balenciaga comms people in the room and I'm sure it was all heavily managed. Um, I do think, and we'll we'll get into uh, the interview itself in a minute. I do think he said, a couple of things towards the end that I thought, oh, this is interesting. And I am curious whether there will be any um, consequence for that. Like he's talking, uh, which I think is total bullshit, but whatever. When he talks about towards (laughs) the end, like how he never wanted to dress celebrities. He never mm. wanted to be part of pop culture. He never wanted to be dragged into this. Really? Really, Damna? <laughs> you know, I pulled specific quotes that I wanted you to react to because I knew you would have a reaction. Okay, yeah, I'm going to read you the quote. Yeah, I'm going to read go you ahead. a quote and you react to it. Um, okay. I have decided to go back to my roots in fashion as well as to the roots of Balenciaga which is making quality clothes, not making image or buzz. Mm. We highlighted the same things, just so. (laughs) I'm sure we highlighted a bunch of the same quotes. Well, of course, given Demna's output so far at Balenciaga's, he's saying exactly the opposite of what he's been doing, which is manufacturing logo hoodies and T-shirts and sneakers and really destroying Balenciaga's legacy in the most egregious way. There is nothing, like he talks about modern elegance at some point. I'm sorry, there is nothing elegant about Balenciaga. Uh, It's anything but, and it's so far removed from what Cristobal has done. There were some couture pieces, like, okay, fine, but... That's what I was going to say. Couture was like replicas of the archives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's few and far between. And even like the stuff they put into the show, they don't produce. You go to Balenciaga's store and it's all like just, there is logos on everything, on everything. So to, yeah, I just found it incredibly pretentious what he said. yeah. Uh, Okay, let me, do you want to hear another quote? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 
the show will be, uh, uh, the show meaning the upcoming Paris Fashion Week show, yeah. which is what, two to three weeks away. The show will become more about showing the collection than creating a moment. I've realized that that can take a lot of attention away from my actual work, which is making clothes. I want to make sure that's what people are looking at because I think my value as a creative is designing the product and not being a showman. Yeah. Uh, again, exactly the opposite of what he has been doing and just backpedaling on his entire body of work uh, because everything he's been doing was not about the clothes and about the moments. And I invite everyone to go back and look at his collections. The clothes are the same. Yeah, it's, they are. The, mm -hmm. the styling is the same. The clothes are the same. What changes is the setting and the narrative. And mm -hmm. everything else is pretty much the same. So to say that, like, yeah, I'm a designer who's, like, concentrating on clothes and this is what I really love. Like, okay, if you really love that, where were you for the last five years? You sort of put a blueprint in and been uh, manufacturing. And the word is manufacturing just versions like of the same thing and yeah. i am uh listen he we will see uh we will see what the next show will look like and then we can pass our judgment i do think i was just thinking before as i was reading that i do think there's a corporate strategy uh around this and mm -hmm. um so let me lay it out I think caring has been making a very conscious effort to go really upscale. They're looking at what Hermes and Chanel are doing. And I think that's Pinot's strategy yeah. is to take everything upscale. Uh, and I think that's why they fired Michele, uh, because it was a very mass market brand. I think right. this, is, this is their strategy with Bottega. Uh, they've raised prices three times in the past 12 months, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, <clears throat> the mandate there is to be, you know, to make more upscale clothes, more expensive clothes. And I wonder if they're also extending this to Balenciaga. And this was sort of a, a moment to reveal it under the guise Oh, I'm actually a designer. I'm not a showman. Everything I was doing was reluctant. And I love that because, you know, let him, let's see if there's proof in the pudding. And I don't think there will be. I don't think, right. I right. think Demna so, is a designer. I don't think he's that talented, but we'll see. Right. I think I appreciate him more than you. Like, I definitely appreciated his Simpsons show. And like, yes, that's not really about the clothing. But I think as a marketer, he has been quite savvy. But what he's been doing is just not fit for the current moment. And they have to change. And speaking of corporate strategy, I think that this interview was really just kind of a buffer for that Fashion Week show. Because imagine if he didn't say anything before the Paris Fashion Week show, right? He's going to do his show and then reporters are going to go backstage and what are they going to ask him about? So right. he kind of had to get this all out before that so that when he has his show and reporters go backstage, like this is really put to bed as embarrassing as it is, I think, for them, for him to be doing this interview in general, because it seems like just so late after this all happened to come mm -hmm. back to it again and bring more attention to it. I counted 
I think there were four statements made already, either by Demna or somebody at the company or like the company in general. So then to bring a fifth, you know, and each one of those statements is a moment. So then to bring a fifth moment to it just struck me as bizarre. But I also realized that like they had to do this. Like he could not have that show and then have the reporters come backstage to interview him. And mm-hmm. then they would all talk about this and they don't want that. So yeah. yes, like at the end of the day, this is all about corporate strategy <laughs> and making money. Yeah. Um, and then there was something else I think we should discuss about this interview. <laughs> Which is like their the charitable action that Balenciaga is is taking. So I'll read I'll read the quote. Learning from the mistake also includes educating ourselves on this issue and contributing to the actual cause. We are partnering with a nonprofit organization called National Children's Alliance for a multi-year partnership, which I find absolutely amazing because it will help thousands of kids in the process of overcoming trauma and dealing with their mental health. It's the one thing that makes me happy about this whole horrible situation to do something good out of it. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a payoff, right? <laughs> like, we, we, like this, well, this the weird, is the tax yeah. we have to pay f- for the for the misery. Sure, yeah. I mean, this is nice. I'm glad that they're giving money to this organization, but they're also yeah. using. You know, we see philanthropy being used for PR all the time. Exactly. Um, and this is just to me, this is an example of using philanthropy for PR, which is not to say that it's bad that they're giving the money away. And it was also interesting to me that part of the deal of them giving the money away was was that. I think this organization is going to come educate Balenciaga. Mm-hmm. Like Balenciaga yeah. is going to have like an education <laughs> because around. you be, because of course how can you know yourself that you shouldn't yeah. be doing things like it, that? It's just so yeah. I, I thought that aspect of it was so strange, but let's uh, sure give them I mean, money. Are, that's good. Yeah. What are going to say? Uh, children and sex don't mix. You should know that. Oh, really? We had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> it, I'm right. sorry. So, I mean, this isn't funny, but it's like, it, it's just the whole thing is such a circus. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Is it, Do you think it's worth discussing um, Demna's background a little bit? Because since he's talking about going back to his roots, I actually made some notes on his background. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we can. I mean, I also have things to say about that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> let me go through some bullets and you you can react. So he went to fashion school in Antwerp. Right. Because it was the cheapest school, he said. He said he could not have afforded Central St. Martin's. Um, but okay. Antwerp, that's a significant place to start, right? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, a, it's one of the best schools in the world. So clearly, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how he got in there, but Usually they take people on merit as far as I know. So there must have been something. In yeah, he applied. He did saw. apply and he got in. And then after school, he worked for Margiela in Paris for around four and a half years, mm-hmm. which is also, I, I mean, Margiela is, a, is one of the masters, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do think he was there already after Margiela. Ton left, but I could be wrong. Or maybe he came at the tail end. Well, so then that. after, yeah, so after that, he went to Louis Vuitton and he worked for both Marc Jacobs and Nicola Gesquier. Okay. And, um, oh, so then Marc Ton has to, has to have been there then in that case. Okay. Okay. So here's, here's a quote from him from, from a, an old article. 
he said, Nicola was all about the product, which strived for perfection. Mark was about the story more than the clothes. And Margiela worked around a different concept every season, which we wanted to avoid at Vetmont. Vetmont is uh, the label that made him famous and um, uh, propelled him to Balenciaga. Uh, uh, the quote continues, just as we don't want to tell stories, the clothes are the story. So he was talking early in the Vetmont days about how it was all about the clothes. And um, he he actually said, uh, here's another quote from him. I learned a lot at those houses, for example, how fashion really works, but I couldn't express myself creatively. I did other people's work. Vetmont originated during lunch break conversations with friends, colleagues, and ex-colleagues. Out of frustration with the system, the pressure, the rhythm, we all wanted to do something different. We wanted to make clothes, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, this is, again, this is what makes you Amy Odell. You go back <laughs> and you do your research, a real journalist. <laughs> uh, look. So then do you, do you remember <laughs> the, the early collections? Yeah, of course. I remember we 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 published his first three collections uh, at Vetmont uh, on Style Zeitgeist magazine. We were very supportive. We we all saw that it was derivative of Margiela, but we also thought like, okay, you know what? Maybe it is time for a rebirth. Um, and after it quickly moved into just making logoed hoodies, oversized logo mm-hmm. hoodies. We were like, yeah. okay, as a publication, we're done. Like we're not going to support this anymore. Right. So I want to note that in the early collections, I think he did a couple, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of collections that were just maybe showrooms appointments. The first two were right. just lookbooks. And the third right. one was a show. So you would make an appointment to go and see. And then the third one was a show. Do you remember the first show? Uh, n- uh, yeah, I remember the first show it was, I believe it was at the Chinese restaurant in Paris. I and think that was the second show actually. Oh, maybe it was the second one. Then the first one. Then I, 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 I don't recall actually. Do you? Okay. Yeah. So because I researched, uh, I researched this. <laughs> so the first show, um, was in a uh, like a basement oh right uh, right right right. i think it was like a sex club basement or something right? yeah yeah a basement did you go no no because i was not going to paris for women's at the time but i was invited to that show and to the show after uh but i wasn't going for women's back then mm-hmm. And that's why. Okay, so it was uh, held. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. So it was held in the basement sorry. of Le, De- Le-, Le Depot. Sorry, my my French pronunciation it leaves much to be desired. Uh, which was described in a European newspaper as a notorious gay bar. Not my words. That's mm-hmm. what it was described as um, at the time. And this was what 2015, March 2015. Yeah, March 2015. Sounds he had the right. show, and they had bowls of condoms. <laughs> <laughs> and vending machines dispensing poppers. So mm-hmm. I don't know. He says he's all about the clothes, but he's doing this gimmicky type stuff, which of course everybody wrote about that at the time. I don't know that at this time, you know, twenty early 2015, um, 
people ex- did, did people expect these kinds of gimmicks at fashion shows? I think now it's more expected because like you want to have your Instagram moment. Maybe it was just kind of starting. Maybe he was on the vanguard of all that. Um, but I don't know. Like, what's your take on this? Like to to do the show, like with all this stuff, like it wasn't really just about the clothes. Yeah, well, he learned it from Margiela, right? I mean, he was definitely working there and uh, being a good student of Margiela, he saw how impactful early Margiela shows were and they would always be like God knows where on the outskirts of Paris. One was like at a children's playground. Another one was at an abandoned metro station. Um and people showed up because he was making waves like they hated it but they still came <laughs> and and i think that's what damna saw and he saw that this kind of edge works and it was missing in fashion at the time that man started so it did make sense to say like hey you know let's bring some edge back to fashion and it and it and it totally worked. Um, I do think that uh, this is. I do think in general, Damnus provocations have been rather crude mm-hmm. um, and and rather cheap, to be honest. And like I I wrote elsewhere, you know, especially all his stuff about like you know taking like the clothes that the poor wear and reworking them and dishing them out for the consumption of the rich that never sat well with me. So I feel like it was only a matter of time that something like this would happen because if you keep doing this and you think that you're edgy, but you actually don't have a lot of substance. So you don't think these things through and you're all about image Mm-hmm. Then, then this is what you get, and like this is the difference between him and someone like Rick Owens, who lives and breathes, you know, that edge that he puts into his shows and presentations and the clothes. Mm-hmm. He lives that, and I don't know if Damna does. So when it all becomes about the surface, when you then. Uh, I'm not surprised that something like like this happened. And on that note, I want to say one more thing. And and I'm curious Mm -hmm. about uh, what you thought. His trying to backpedal and saying that those teddy bear bags, that the references were punked and not BDSM, Mm -hmm. I I also think that's bullshit. And, and, And which ties back to what you just said about his first show. Uh, First of all, I don't know if he's trying to fool the general public, but I'm like, where do you think punks got those references from in the first place? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, I interviewed the photographer, uh, Gabrielle Gallimberti, of that campaign, and um, I published it in my a Q&A with him in my newsletter, and it was really... Um, you know, I think what the what the conversation did was highlight the risk that an artist like him takes when collaborating with a big corporate fashion brand like Balenciaga, because he had been doing a series called Toy Stories on his own, where he photographed actual children with their actual toys in their actual homes. And it's a really 
good. It's really good work. It's yeah. it's really good. I don't know if you looked at that stuff. I have. But I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I think it's so hard as a photographer and he's, he calls himself a documentary photographer. So, you know, he's not someone who goes to a, a fashion shoot where everything is planned out. He shows up and he photographs what's there. And this series I think is just so good. And he had like photographed for national geographic. Like he's, he's really talented and the series was all his idea. And it's so hard to create photography that is memorable like that. And of course his reputation took a hit. I think, you know, through him talking to the media and people like me, he, um, I think he helped restore it certainly at least somewhat to the degree that it was possible to do that. Um, but he did say, and I, he did say to me that Balenciaga told him that it was inspired by punk. So, okay. uh, but I think you're right. I think it's worth reflecting. <laughs> like, if I were the Balenciaga creative team, I would certainly hope that they're reflecting on the fact that, like, punk and BDSM, like, yeah, those are connected references. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I looked straight up i mean i am very familiar with punk codes mm-hmm. uh and this look to me is straight up bdsm like i did not see anything punk in it i did not see um i did not see razor blades i did not see uh safety pins i did not see plaid i did mm. not see any of that what i saw was straight up that's it uh bdsm that's a really good point. Maybe they don't know the difference. Um, okay, so then... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> okay, so then let's... Uh, going back to Demna's bio. So he does that show in the basement. People loved it. Uh, people found it to be really exciting. Um, then, like, Rihanna wears one of his T-shirts. It's like a $300 T-shirt. Uh, and he kind of, like... Uh, um, I don't know. He skyrockets very fast. I, I feel like we see this happen mm-hmm. in fashion a lot, where these creatives become very... Um, I don't know, famous in the industry very fast. And in the fall of 2015 is when he gets the Balenciaga job and he's replacing Alexander Wang, which is, I think, significant to note. Uh, nobody was really very excited about what Alexander Wang was doing and his sales were like in the 300 million range and Demna's brought that up a lot. And at the time, Alessandro Michele had just gone to Gucci and that appointment was a little bit surprising because he was like a... Um, he was described as like an independent. He was an unknown name, right? really. And he went to Gucci and had a lot of success. So people presume that uh, that gave Demna, who, though he had like pretty good name recognition, I think within the industry at that point, um, kind of helped grease the wheels for his appointment at Balenciaga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It, it was also, it, it was also, he got a huge endorsement from Kanye West. And, you know, Kanye has been the kingmaker, right, for the past 10 years. Uh, it's kind of like for a certain right. uh, public, like whatever Kanye says goes. And he actually hired them that did like some of the first Yeezy collections, like the clothing. And then, of course, they've collaborated right. throughout and on uh, Kanye's last album. And he did all the customs, et cetera, et cetera. So... Which again, just like for them not to say, oh, I don't care about celebrities. I got dragged into it. Uh, well, okay, maybe, but. And meh. it's, yeah, it's worth no. I'm glad you brought up the Yeezy collections. It's worth noting that those early Yeezy collections were really poorly received. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, not only because of the design, but also because Kanye would do such arrogant things like have a show in Brooklyn on a hot day and then like make people take a bus there and make them wait yeah. like really long, a really long time for like a bus. And, you know, like he was just really not respectful of people's time who were going to the shows. Um, yeah. But anyway, so speaking of Kanye, I made a list of questions that the story, to my mind, notably did not include. And this is why I think there may have been some negotiations in advance or, I don't know, like pathological understanding on Vogue's behalf, like being in cahoots with these corporations that they couldn't mm -hmm. ask about these things. One of the things that the story notably did not include was any questions about Kanye. And I think that that's a huge oversight because Kanye was in the fashion show where these bags first appeared, right? Yeah, it was either him. It was or the mud. Him. It was the mud show. The mud collection. The mud show. I think it was Kim, but I could be wrong. You could be right. Well, Kanye opened the mud show. So Balenciaga. I mean, to your oh, point yes, about yes, yes, Demna yes, doing yes, the yes. same. To your point about Demna doing the same clothes over and over again, like. Yeah, he does. And people can go and look back at the dress. You know, they see like one dress from the next is the same season to season and like the boot pants and all that stuff. But so he's showing the same clothes and then each with each show obscuring them, you can't even see the clothes. Like when he did the Blizzard show, which was, um, yeah, uh, I don't know what, what to call oh, yeah. it. Kim was at that. Yeah, Kim was at that. Wearing the tape, into, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wrapped into tape. Yeah. So then he does the mud show and that's like in a dark room. I get so annoyed when uh, people stage shows like in the dark or with weird light and you can't see it when you're looking on Vogue Runway. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get that. But he did this show in mud. It was like a big circle of mud and it was dark. So it was hard to see the clothes anyway, but Kanye opened it and that was like a huge headline. And it was right. This was right before the Kanye fashion show where he showed the white lights matter t-shirts right. and wildly offended everybody. But anyway, his alliance with, with Kanye was one of the things that made him problematic around this time. And I think that Vogue should have addressed it and Demna yeah. should have been prepared to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. But do you think, it, it, you just made me think, uh, do you think he, these statements, oh, I'm now, um, you know, I'm now, I was never into celebrity culture and we're not going to do it anymore. Do you think that was actually in the roundabout way to distance himself from Kanye? You know what? That's a good point. I think that's probably true. Another thing that he didn't talk about was Kim Kardashian. And I think mm -hmm. that's significant because she's one of the people who came out around the time that the controversy was unfolding late last year and distanced herself. And they had been so closely aligned. I mean, she was the face of the brand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he had a quote, uh, an old quote I pulled <laughs> from April, uh, April 16th, 2015 in Le Figaro. Uh, he said... So this is when he's doing Bet Mom, but not a Balenciaga. We also avoid themes and seasons. Women can wear our models as they see fit and as soon as they buy them. A straight-to-the-point approach that requires no famous muse or overexposed blogger to promote it. Mm -hmm. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, with Kim Kardashian as your face. <laughs> yeah. Also, let's point out that Vitamon started as a collective. Mm -hmm. Remember that? And then two seasons yeah. later, as soon as they started making waves, all of a sudden, oh, no, it's Demna and his brother Guram, and it's not a collective anymore. 
and behind the scenes they pushed everybody out uh yeah, you know. it was anonymous. And then he emerged as the face. That's true. Mm-hmm. Very early mm-hmm. after it started gaining traction. Um, yeah. Another thing I, I thought. Th- yeah, go ahead. So one more thing I thought the story should have asked about is like how he justifies. I would really love to hear a designer talk about this. How he justifies charging $900 for Balenciaga Crocs. Right. All the stuff that he puts out that's like a designer trash bag <laughs> or, uh, you know, like the there's there's a lot of examples. The, the Crocs stand out in my mind. Uh, how do you justify that? How do you explain that? What you know, like, why is it why is it nine hundred dollars? And that's something that's been controversial. I mean, not as controversial as the BDSM teddy bear bags, but that is something that has been controversial about the brand. It's gotten the brand a lot of attention. Um. Mm-hmm. But I, I would love to hear him talk about, like, how do you justify this? And they do it over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember uh, an interview with his brother, Guram, um, early on. And somebody asked, I believe it was at one of London's fashion schools. And somebody asked him, like, how do you justify making $1,100 hoodies? And he laughed and he said, well, you know, they're big, so we use a lot of cotton. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, listen, yeah, but my my take is this. They're going to charge what the market will bear. Don't buy Mm -hmm. it. Just don't buy it. You know, yeah, they, they go because even well, it, it's twofold. A, there's always going to be someone who buys it, and B, I mean the margins are so insane they don't have to make many of them, and C, people talking about prices, it's still a marketing stunt. It's like remember when I think it was last year Prada put out the fifteen hundred dollar tank top. And people were up in arms like, of course, no one bought that. This was a marketing exercise to get people to talk about the brand. And guess what? Uh, New list survey and Prada for the first time is the number one brand on people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. And when Bottega did the $29,000 skirt. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, so I think this probably goes into like their a line on their marketing budget, I would say. I mean the fact that yeah. their stuff is egregiously overpriced. I mean even if people knew how cheap it is to make what Balenciaga sells. I know. I mean it's crazy. I know. So it, anything else you want to talk about or should we do final thoughts? I have one final thought. Uh, yeah, I think I think we covered pretty much. I, I just want to bring back like just just one thing that again mm-hmm. I thought they let him off the hook easily when he said that the documents were placed there unintentionally. That's just that's such an I don't see how it's anything but a lie, and I wish Vogue would have pushed him back. But would would have pushed back on that more, and um, and another point I wanted to make, and I guess also to to reiterate that, you know, he's saying things going 
exactly opposite to everything he's been doing. Oh, I don't want to be showman anymore. Oh, I don't want to be associated with celebrity culture anymore. Or I want to concentrate on, you know, the cut and the fabric. Okay, cool. You know, we'll we'll see if there's any proof in the pudding. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to um, to March or whenever. Um, but yeah, what are your final thoughts? So maybe we should talk about his future at the brand, because I think late last year, a lot of people started talking about how like this was it for him and they were going to have to let him go. And um, as we know, well, there are no sacred cows in fashion. And yeah. I still think that could happen. However, I kind of wonder if Balenciaga feels like either the brand has been so successful under him that they can't they they can't let him go they're not ready to or that they've invested so much in his vision and i'm really thinking of brick and mortar stores like and you know you can google like new balenciaga stores there were there were a number that opened that got headlines and they seem to have invested a lot in these concepts where it's like kind of designed to look like a dingy I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's like cinder block walls and it looks like grease is dripping from them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, like a dingy basement or, yeah. um, you know, like derelict is the word that comes to mind. Yeah. They've opened a number of these stores. I'm sure that was expensive. I just wonder if like, you know, if they lose Demna, they kind of have to redo all of that. I, so I wonder if there's, um, mm-hmm. a part of them that's trying to see if they can make it work so that they don't have to invest in a rebrand. Yeah. Um, I thought about that, but when they fired McKelly, mm-hmm. I no longer think that because firing McKelly is going to cost them so much more because Gucci was a $10 billion brand and Balenciaga is like, a billion, I think, or two. I think Balenciaga is two. So Gucci was selling at uh, five to one. So, and I and I do think that Michele's stores are actually so much more unique, and mm-hmm. there are so many more of them. I think like that will be a much much bigger. Cr- Listen, I think they fired the wrong guy. <laughs> if you ask me, because <laughs> because I don't know. How are they going to increase Gucci's sale on top of what McKelly has done? Yeah. I feel, you know, Balenciaga is, people don't realize it because Balenciaga is so much in the cultural narrative, but Balenciaga is a much smaller fish. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So, or maybe they're thinking like, we'll let this blow over uh, and then we will see, and we'll see if this new strategy of taking Balenciaga upscale along with Gucci and Bottega will work. But I honestly mm. think that they fired the wrong guy. Like, this should have been their moment. Like, I would have kept McKelly mm-hmm. and, you know, like Balenciaga has room to grow. I don't know how much room Gucci has to grow. Yeah, so. I think, yeah, I mean, that's like a whole other conversation about what's going to happen to Gucci. But I, yeah, I I also think Demna must be a good corporate operator, mm-hmm. you know, to have got to have gotten through this. Um, 
we know how these things work. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like sometimes like you don't have to be the most talented or best person to succeed in a corporation. And, uh, you know, this is pure speculation, but I, I have to imagine that he's good at, at operating and caring in some way. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things I remember reading about Michele leaving was that, uh, the, the company had asked for a change in direction and he, he didn't do it or he disagreed with that. And, um, that, uh, um, that happened right before they parted ways. Um, so, you know, maybe they went to demo and they were like, you had changed directions like this dark Kanye stomping in the mud with BDSM teddy bear bags thing isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. Do something different. Maybe he, you know, maybe he was like, yeah. sure. Yes. I would be happy to, you know, yes, sir. Whatever you say. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see what the show is like. Probably, probably, maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, my final thought on that note: uh, I look forward to the blending of Balenciaga. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what they're gonna have to do, right? That's the next yeah. step. And then just, just make it blend, um, strip away and make it blend. But um, I question whether Demna has the talent to to do that. We will see. Yeah. Well, it's fun talking about this with you. Likewise, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And Enjoy every, your fashion week. <laughs> thanks, you too. And everybody, uh, go read uh, and subscribe to Amy's Substack. It's, correct me if I'm wrong, it's just amyodell.substack.com. Yes, that's right. And uh, yeah, look out for um, some more stuff from from amy she's an excellent writer thank you thank you likewise compliments right back at you thank you bye bye you've been listening to the styles i guess podcast hosted by eugene rapkin produced by patrick leduc intro and outro music by wesley isolt of cold cave please support us on patreon at www patreon.com forward slash stalls i guess thank you for listening